You know, one of, the, one of the things that adds to my confidence about the Bible is that it doesn't hide the weaknesses and failures of the main characters. When you read, read Scripture, there's no attempt to make uh, anyone anything that they, you know, something that they weren't. Scripture is, is completely open about the moral failures, the sin of the men and women that you find in its pages. I mean, it's just all out there for everybody to see. And you know, sometimes you, you, you read through, especially the Old Testament, and what these men and women did, and it's very easy to wonder why God would want any kind of a relationship with them. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've, if you've read Scripture, but you get to a book like the book of Judges, and you go like, what is that? You know, what, what, are, what are these people doing? This is like crazyville, you know. And, but I, I got to tell you, personally, I, I find a, a huge comfort in this. Because there, there have been so many times in my life when I've, I've wondered the same thing about myself. I mean, knowing some of the stupid stuff that I've done and, and, and uh, the sinful stuff I've done, and I still do. It's, it's very easy for me to get down on myself. And so every time I, I see God hanging in there with men and women in, in, in Scripture, it gives me confidence that God's going to do the same for me. And you might be feeling this way about yourself. You may have come here today. And uh, you've had a, a really bad week, or uh, you've had a very bad month, you've had a very bad year. Uh, bad because you've been bad, or uh, because you've done some very stupid stuff. And you're, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but, but you're wondering, you know, I, I wonder if, you, you might be wondering to yourself, I, I wonder if God really wants anything to do with me, you know. And, and so if you are, I, I've got to tell you, I've got good news for you today. And, and I, I'm going to be able to show you that God hasn't given up on you. God doesn't love you any less. God still wants absolutely everything to do with you. Or, or it might be that you've come here today and you don't have a relationship with God. It might be that you even wonder if there is a God. And uh, yet, yet you've come here today and, and you know something about your life that maybe nobody else knows. You know there, that there's been a, a huge moral failure in your life, and you know that you've, you've sinned a, uh, a big way, and, and, and you have this, this kind of a, a nagging concern in your mind that if there is a God, you're not right with this God, things are not where they should be, and it bothers you, it worries you, and if, you, if, if you've come here today and you're that way, and I, I, I want to tell you I've got good news for you too, and I, I'm going to be able to show you that there is no sin that is too great for God not to love you. God's forgiveness is totally available. The scripture we come to this morning is the fourth chapter of Romans. And it's a, it's a great example of this. I don't know if any, any of you rec- uh, remember, but uh, several have mentioned that we, uh, we did a, a series in the book of Romans not too long ago. We did it in 2010, actually. But a book of Romans is hard for me to stay away from. And, and, and i got to tell you, every time you, you uh, preach through a book, you, it's always different because you're different. Uh, you know, and, and so this is like, wow, I'm learning so much all over again and, in, in doing this. And, and, but the fourth chapter is one that we didn't touch on before, and I don't know why. Because in it, Paul shows... How true it is, what, I'm, what I just mentioned this morning, how true this is for two of the most well-known men in the Old Testament, Abraham and David, 
who, who were, both of them were major players in the history of the nation of Israel. In fact, if you read the first chapter of the, uh, the first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, verse 1, you, you read this. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus Christ himself was a descendant of these two men. But I got to tell you, you know, uh, these are two men who were very imperfect, very imperfect. They did some really stupid stuff, and they sinned in ways that would make most of us cringe in this room today. And yet, they were two men who believed in God. They experienced God's forgiveness because they trusted in God's amazing grace. And so, I, I, I'm, so I'm so thankful for this fourth chapter of Romans because the, the truth that it shows us about God is one that gives us the greatest hope possible and the greatest peace that we could possibly have in our life. And it's, it's really one on, on which to base our life. And the truth is this. The truth is this. This is what I want you to walk out with this morning. I'd say write it down. No one is outside the reach of God's love. Nobody. No one. No one is outside the reach of God's love. Or we might even say it this way. There isn't a debt of sin that is too great for God to pay. There isn't. There is not a debt of sin. That is too great for God to pay. So Romans chapter 4 is an incredible chapter. And the other thing that, that I, I in, in the mix of all this, and it, it, it all connects together, that I, that, I, I, that I find so fascinating is how timely this fourth chapter is to the world in which we're living right now. Where we're seeing three of our world's major religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, increasingly faced with their differences and the conflict it's bringing in one nation after another. So uh, if you've got your Bibles here, you can look at the scripture uh, on the screen. Paul, Paul begins in, the, in this fourth chapter and with this statement. He said, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? You see, Paul is making an argument for the Christian faith in this book. And as he does this, he appeals to, to the most important person in Jewish history, Abraham, the, the one person through whom God began the nation of Israel. And, and you may not realize this, but here, here's what makes this, this chapter so timely, so relevant to our world today. The three largest religions, I don't know if you know this, the three largest religions in the world, I'll say them again, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity have the same starting point. They all believe there's a single God who created the universe. They all believe that the first two people on this earth were Adam and Eve, created by God. They all agree that we're sinners, that we've, we've messed up this world in, in which, uh, that, that God created. And they all come together on a single man who they believe God used to begin correcting what's gone wrong with this world. And guess who this man is? I just want to make sure you're listening. <laughs> who? Abraham. Very good. All right. Abraham is where these three main religions come together, but he's also where they separate. Islam goes in one direction, Judaism goes in another, and Christianity takes us in a direction that is entirely different from the first two. The direction it takes is what Paul writes about in this fourth chapter. And again, verse 1, he said, what then, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? This matter being what we talked about last Sunday. 
how it's possible, how it's possible for every one of us to have a right relationship with God. That's, that's what Abraham discovered 2,000 years before Jesus Christ was born. And so Paul writes again, in, 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 or Paul writes then in, in verse, uh, verse 2, he says this. He, he says, if in fact... If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Not before God. At issue here is whether the Jewish people were right in saying that Abraham made himself righteous or right before God by his good works, which, which by the way, is also the teaching of Islam. All right, they were saying this is how Abraham did it. It's and it's how we've all got to do it. There is no other way for us to have a relationship with God. And so Paul writes, if it's possible, if it's possible, if you're right, that Abraham was justified by works. If you're right about that, yes, then he'd have something to boast about before God. But it's but he said it's not going to happen. Because at the end of the day, at the end of, of his life, there is really only one opinion that matters, and that's God's opinion. And as far as God is concerned, Abraham is no different than the rest of us. He's a sinner, and there's an infinite gap between himself and God. Paul writes this, and then he shows us that what he is saying is based on a conversation that God had with Abraham nearly 2,000 years before Christ was born. A question, a, a conversation that, that answers what's most important to all of us. It, it shows us that God cares about the mess that this world is in. It shows us that God cares about each one of us. It shows us that it's possible for you and me to know with certainty where we stand before God. You can know that and I can know that. It shows us that no one, no one is outside the reach of God. God's love. It shows us that there, there is not a debt of sin that is too great for God to pay. And so then Paul writes this in verse 3. He said, what, what does the scripture say? He said, all right, let's look, at what, let's look at what God's word says. He said, Abraham believed God. This is what it says. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Paul takes us from a conversation God with, had with Abraham that's written down for us in the 15th chapter of, of Genesis, a conversation that's a follow-up to a promise God made to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 12. You see, it's, it's in that 12th chapter of Genesis that God takes this imperfect man. And let me, I gotta, I gotta stop right there, everybody, okay? Imperfect. Y'all hear that? Let's all say that together imperfect. Read the book of Genesis and you'll see how true this really is. Abraham was a very imperfect man, very imperfect. And so God takes this imperfect man, tells him to leave the place he's living, to go where God is going to show him to go, lead him to go, and gives him three amazing promises. And the first one, God said, I'm going I'm to make you into a great nation. It's only you and Sarah right now, but I'm going to build a great nation out of you. The second promise is God said, I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to give you a great name. Let, 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 me, let me just do a survey, okay? 
How many of you here today, how many of you heard about Abraham before you came here this morning? Raise your hands, okay? Wow, isn't that interesting? Let me ask you, how many of you have heard of this guy? Okay? Kettle Lamer. Uh, how many, just don't, don't, don't be shy. If, you're, if you raise your hand, if you ever heard of Kettle Lamer before? Yeah, well, there's just a few of you. Isn't that interesting? All of us have heard about Abraham. Just a very few of us have heard about this guy. But you know what? When Abraham was living, everybody knew who he was. He was a very famous, he was a very powerful king over, over, or, over Elam. E-L-A-M. And you know what's interesting? Elam doesn't even exist anymore, and nobody's really heard about Ketelamor. Everybody's heard about Abraham. Okay? Then God also said to him, he said, I, I'm going to, everybody's going to be blessed through you. Everybody's going to be blessed through you, which is exactly what we're talking about today. God blessing all of us through Abraham, through Jesus Christ, who's a descendant of Abraham, providing God's forgiveness, making it possible for us to have a, a right relationship with God, and making it possible for us to know that we've got eternal life. I'd say that's blessing, wouldn't you? Amen. Good. Amen. Amen. Good. Good. I just want to make sure. All right. Oh, so, and I know, Brian, you're getting older, you know, it's hard for you. I'm glad you're sitting in the front. So, so God, makes these, God makes these promises in Genesis 12 when Abraham, get this, everybody, Abraham was 75 years old and Sarah was 65. Anybody here have a child at 75 or 65? 65? 65, anybody? No, isn't that interesting? Not very many. Nobody. Many years pass, and they still do not have any children. And Abraham's beginning to think it's not going to happen. And this brings us to Genesis 15, where Abraham prays. And he has this conversation with God. And he, it's like he said, okay, God, all right, God, you promised me you're going to make me into a, a great nation. Right now, it's, I mean, it's just a handful of us, God. And, 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 and you said that everybody on earth is going to know my name. Well, Sarah knows me, and a few other people know me. Uh, you even said that everybody's going to be blessed through me, but God, God, you also said I was going to have a son. I don't need, we don't have a son. I don't see how any of your promises are going to happen. And God shows up again. And God tells Abraham not to be afraid and not to give up. And leads him outside of his tent, tells him to look up into the night sky. And, and God said to Abraham, Abraham, see all those stars? If you can, count them. Now, I got to tell you, for us living in a city, you live in a city, we live in a city, we don't have an idea what it's like, the night sky. I remember one time at Becky's parents' farm, and the yard light, was, you know, they have a yard light. Farms have yard lights, you know, and, and everything was turned off. It was, that was off, and, and, and I was away from the house. I was kind of out, out of ways, and I'll tell you what, you get out into the country, and you were, it is just totally dark, and you look up into that night sky, and it is just, I mean, it's just a maze of stars. It's just brilliant. It's just fun to look at got to do it sometime if you haven't done it for a while. That's what happened with Abraham. He's way out in the middle of nowhere. And God said, see those stars, Abraham? 
As many as there are, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, I know you don't have a son, but I want you to trust me. You're going to have a son, and, and, and you're going to become a great nation. And there's going to be more people who are going to come from you than you're ever going to know and you're ever going to be able to count. <laughs> and then the writer of Genesis tells us something that is so powerful and personal for all of us. He makes a statement that is life-changing. And it answers what we all wonder, knowing the sin in our own lives. How is it possible for me, for me, not to be outside the reach of God's love? How is it possible for the debt of my sin to be paid by God? He writes as Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. That's the statement that Paul quotes in Romans chapter 4. And in this statement, God, as best as we can tell, for the very first time in recorded history, tells us how it's possible for someone as finite and sinful as Abraham and every single one of us in this room today to have a relationship with himself, a relationship with God Almighty. Statement so powerful. And it's where Christianity and Muslims and Jews go in three different directions. It's what makes Christianity distinct from every other religion in the world. And I don't say that out of pride. I just say it because it's true. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham is saying to God, I have no children. And you're telling me that I'm going to have descendants as plentiful as the stars in the heaven? Okay, God, I trust you. And in that moment, in that single expression of faith, God credited to Abraham a right standing before Almighty God. God saying, Abraham, I'm going to give you a right standing with me. I accept you because you believe and you trust me. Abraham's faith in God, Abraham trusting God, resulted in a right standing with God, and that is so powerful, and it is so personal for all of us. It's life-changing. It's life-changing. Uh, in all these years of being a pastor, I've had so many conversations with people who have spent their lives guessing how it's possible to have a right relationship with God. And I've heard all kinds of ideas. And, 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 and something I've heard over and over again is maybe if I do this, maybe if I do this and maybe if I don't do that, then I can have a right relationship with God. God gives us the answer so many years ago, 4,000 years ago. And here's the interesting thing. Years would go by and the Jews would come along and they'd miss this. And they'd, 
They'd say, no, the, the, the way you got to have a right standing with God is you've got to be Jewish. We're, we're God's chosen people. In fact, you know what? By the time Jesus showed up 2,000 years later, they said to him, we don't need you. We don't need you because we're Abraham's children. It's enough to be a child of Abraham and, and all the rest of you, all of you Gentiles, if you want to be right with God, what you've got to do is become Jewish and follow all of the Jewish laws. And then more years go by, 600 plus years after Jesus. And the prophet Muhammad came along and he said, no, no, no. The, the way to a right standing with God is to believe in one true God and, and to believe in me, his prophet, and to do the works of righteousness that God tells you to do through me, his prophet. And he said, at the end of your life, your good works are going to be measured against the bad things that you've done. And, and Allah is going to determine if you have a righteous standing before God. And, but you know what? You're not going to know until the end. You're not going to know until it happens. But you know what else? And this is what really is sad. There have been even those in the Christian church who messed with what God said to Abraham. Ignored what God said, dismissed what God said, added to it, saying it's not simply what you believe, it's also what you do that gives you a right standing with God and, and any hope of eternal life in heaven. All three religions have done this, even though 4,000 years ago before there was anyone who considered themselves to be Jewish or Muslim or Christian, God revealed to Abraham that the way to a right standing with him is simply faith, it's simply trust. That's what it is. It's this simple. The bottom rung on the ladder is this low. God saw each one of us in our sinfulness, the, the mess of our lives, and, and, and provided the only way possible for us to be forgiven and made right with him. And it's trusting alone, trusting alone in his grace through Jesus Christ. Which is why I'd like to hear somebody say amen right now. Amen. All right. I wasn't going to say that, but decided to. This is what I was going to say. This is why I love how Paul ends this fourth chapter. I just love Romans. I love this book. I love Romans chapter 4. I just like, you know what? Romans chapter 4 is one of those chapters you could read, and you go, mm, what's that? And then just keep on reading, you know? But boy, don't do that. Listen to this. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. This becomes some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Listen to this. Against all hope. Against all hope. Abraham and hope believed, and, and, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And without weakening in his faith, he, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. You see, all these years go by. Abraham's 75, he's 80, he's 85, he's 90, he's 95, he's approaching 100. Sarah's about to celebrate her 90th birthday and still no children. And human, you know what? Human reason would say, Abraham, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> right? 
Imagine the conversations he might have had with his friends. I wonder if they didn't have an intervention with Abraham and Sarah, you know? Abraham, oh buddy, man, we love you, but it ain't going to happen. You know, it's just not going to happen. You and Sarah, you got to let this thing go. I mean, adoption is great. Why don't you just adopt, you know? That, adoption's great. But God made a promise. And this is what I love about Abraham. He wasn't about to let it go. And so Paul writes this, beginning at verse 20. He said, uh, yet he, that's Abraham, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He didn't waver. But he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God. And I just love this phrase, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And then we read this, Paul writes, this is why, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Last Sunday, I, I talked through three words with you and and each one of them are, are, are life-changing words. I, the, the, the word justified. And, I, and In fact, I would say, if you were gone last Sunday, go back and listen to last Sunday's sermon. Uh, it was pretty decent. Okay? Be worth listening to. Okay? Uh, I talked through these words. Justified, the word freely, the word grace, the word redemption, the word, you know, the, the three words, sacrifice of atonement. And, and, and this fourth chapter in Romans adds another word to our list, okay? And um, it's, it's the word credit. The word credit. That's, that's a word that's used in accounting. Um, Paul uses it to show us that we have an account with God, okay? And left to ourselves, it's all on the debit side. Debit, D-E-B-I-T, debt, okay? Nothing on the plus sign, zero, zip. It's, you see, all of us have a, mirror, uh, a major uh, sin debt with, with God. And no matter how hard we try to get out of it, it keeps getting worse because you know why? We keep sinning. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And every sin gets recorded on the debit side. That's the bad news that Paul wrote about. Remember last Sunday I said Paul get like 63 verses of bad news to the point where he said, okay, okay, that's enough, Paul. You can stop now. You know, and, 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 and then, and then he, he, he began giving us the good news in verse 21 of chapter 3. Well, this, this word is good news too, okay? See, God does the most amazing, wonderful thing possible it really is. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, what Christ did for us on the cross, giving his life to pay the debt of our sin, when we trust in G Jesus doing this for us, God not only takes away every bit of our sin, erasing it, okay? God also gives us all, all of it, every single bit of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, God credits it to our account. I mean, isn't that, isn't that worthy of an amen? Huh? Okay, very good. You're doing good. All right. So it's, it's, like, it's like we've got this spreadsheet, okay? A spreadsheet. Uh, and, 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 and on one side, we've, we've got all the sins. You know, we could just keep going down with all the sins we've done. And, and someday, we have the same date for a lot of them. 
You know, and that interest, you know, and, and, and so we got this debit side of it, and it's like sin, 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 sin. It's just chalking up all the time, you know. And, and, and what God does is he just, you know, through Jesus Christ, he just, he just erases all of those sins, every single one of them, and he, keeps, he writes righteous, 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 all the way down to describe us. <laughs> And so Paul, yeah. So Paul finishes this chapter with this wonderful promise. And see, it's not just for Abraham, it's for all of us. Look, look at this, what he writes. Verse 23. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, it's just not Abraham, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us, for us, who believe in him, believe in God Almighty, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our, what? Justification for us to be made right with God, righteous. If you're here today and, and, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, but man, Steve, this all sounds so good, but you do not know the life I have lived. You do not know the life I'm living right now. My debt of sin is too great to be forgiven. I'm guessing we've all felt that way at some point in our lives. Paul must have thought about this, and this is what's so brilliant about this chapter. This is what I love about God's word. Paul must have thought about this because in this same chapter, he quotes from someone whose sin was about as bad as it gets. And this is where David comes into the picture, all right? So look at this, verse 4. Back up to verse 4, he, he writes this. Now, now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. He said, if you got a job and you work and you get to the end of two weeks, when you get a paycheck, that's not a gift. That's what you deserve for the work you've done. But then he goes on and he says this, however, however, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. And then he said, David said, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And, um, and then he says this, uh, and I love this. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. You know, you, know, you know where Paul took this? From Psalm 32. David. This is David's confession after his sin of adultery 
with Bathsheba, after which he murdered her husband. And David comes before God, guilty of adultery and murder. I mean, his, son, his, his sin uh, account with God is, is majorly in the minus column. I mean, you get involved with another man's wife sexually, and then you kill the guy to cover your sin. I, I don't think it gets much worse than this. And so when David said, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him, you better believe there was a lot of emotion in him when he said that. He said it with feeling. I mean, think about what David just said. He's in the midst of a confession that he committed adultery, that he murdered another man, and yet in in the midst of this confession, he can say with confidence that God will not count this sin against him. It will not get put in his debit column. And why could David say this? Because he knew. He knew. No one, nobody, nobody is outside the reach of God's love. There is not a debt of sin that is too great for God to pay. And so I don't know, you know, if you've come here today and you have thought to yourself, there's no hope for me, oh man, there is hope for you. There's hope for you. It's God's grace. It's Jesus Christ dying for you on the cross. And I can tell you this morning, I can tell you on the authority of Jesus Christ himself, God himself, you can have a conversation with God this morning like Abraham had a conversation with God. And you can say, God, I know my sin. I know my sin, but I believe. And I believe, God, with you, everything is possible and I put my trust in what Jesus Christ did for me. You can pray that prayer this morning, right now. And you'll have God's forgiveness. So let's just pause, okay? Bow our heads, close our eyes. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. And you might want to pray that prayer right now. Okay? Okay? Let's pray. God, I came here today um, really unsure of who you are, what's true about you, and not even sure if you exist. But God, I've had this nagging inside of myself that things aren't right. And God, this morning, I, I put my trust in what your son Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. I believe in him. And God, I know that my only hope of forgiveness, my only hope of a relationship with you is your son, Jesus Christ. And so I trust in him. Amen. Now, I want to add one, one thing, okay? I thought about that. This, thought about it this morning. Thought about it this morning. You know, you know what sometimes I think those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes I, I think we we forget what God's word says. And we think to ourselves, and I think it's a big mistake when we do it. We think to ourselves we've got to prove ourselves to other people. We've got to prove ourselves. And when we do that, we pretend that we're something we're not. 
And I believe with all of my heart, one of the most disarm, disarming things for, for people who do not have a relationship with God at all, one of the most disarming things, one of the, one of the most appealing things to people, one of the most believable things for people is when we're transparent about ourselves. We don't pretend that we're something we're not, but we, we acknowledge, man, I'm just like, I'm a sinner. I blow it. I blow it. You know, you don't, you don't understand what I'm saying? So maybe as we're singing this morning, you need to have a conversation with God, and you need to say, God, I am so sorry at being so full of myself when I just need to just be real with other people and just do what everybody needs to do to help anybody understand your grace and that is just point to your love through Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to have that conversation with God. Let's stand and, uh, and let's worship. And I got to tell you, Rob, I mean this, brother. I just love how you lead us in worship and uh, you so, God, uh, God absolutely deserves, Rob, but you also deserve for us to sing with everything we've got every single Sunday morning. So that's that. Okay. All right.